0: That's joinMIDI.com.
1: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? This podcast is brought to you by Military True Crime Addict, a podcast focusing on true life events of military personnel, veterans, and those associated with the military. Give a voice to the victims and hear their side of the story. Raise awareness of the heinous crimes and support those most impacted. Military True Crime Addict is available wherever you get your podcasts, and you don't need to know anything about the military to listen. Now, back to the show. You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts,
2: the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang.
3: Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers, and it's time, it's, it's time. time, it's 30s time, 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 time,
2: time. It's uh, Public Enemy time. Who was Public Enemy? What was their name? Bresco and... Uh... Oh, uh, Public
3: Enemy was uh, Rocko names? Rock and Rocko fucking Rock Johnny and, uh, Grunge. Yeah. Pretty sure they're both dead now. Are they? Just like the uh, two subjects that we're about to cover here today. Do they die the same way? <laughs> well, I certainly <laughs> hope not. But we made it. 1930s slash Great Depression slash public enemy era for a minute for the first few years of the 30s anyways. All right. And you know, always starting out with a bang. We told you guys for the last four or five episodes, Bonnie and Clyde's going to be our first well, here it is. ever episode on the 30s coming in. We ended Prohib- yeah Prohibition with... Pretty much everybody's story that we could. There's still stories out there that we might. We're still considering, even in the Wild West era, we're still considering putting out, you know, little ten miniters just on the uh, little people that didn't have their lives documented as much as these guys did. So, look for that in the near future. Maybe it's a side thing. Who knows? But for now, Bonnie and Parker. Bonnie and Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Bonnie Parker. Bonnie and and Parker (laughs) and Clyde and Barrow. Clyde and Barrow. There's four of them (laughs) at one time, guys. (laughs) Right. Bonnie. And Clyde, the fucking most infamous boyfriend and girlfriend, um, murderers, until... Um, Besides Mickey and... Until uh, Mickey, Mickey and, and Mallory, Mallory came along, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Mickey and Mallory, that's, that's fucking such a great well, movie. We're definitely
2: going to have to throw this in here.
3: What, Mickey and Mallory? Yeah, throw it in somewhere.
2: Not in this show, but... I don't even think it was real, was it?
3: Of course it's not real.
2: That's what I'm
3: saying. So why would we throw them in
2: there? Might as well. well we're going to do a separate show. Go and fucking...
3: Fake criminals <laughs> on screen, outlaws and gunslingers, outlaws and gunslingers on, screen. on the silver screen, on the screen. silver screen, all <laughs> right. Silver screen, outlaws
2: and gunslingers, right? That sounds good. I mean, we already got uh, outlaws and knife slingers
3: coming up. So. Well, do we? We don't know. We don't know. Bonnie and Clyde,
2: Bonnie Elizabeth Parker,
3: we all know them as criminals who traveled the central United States with the barrel gang during the Great Depression, robbing people, killing people. Well, re- but well, of-
2: was they, really? Was it a barrel gang, though? Oh well, yeah. They're just.
3: Clyde was the leader. It was yeah. like it was the James gang. I guess. They were riding with his brother Buck, his wife Blanche, Raymond Hamilton, W. D. Jones, Joe Palmer, Ralph Foltz, and Marvy Methvin. And Marvy, <laughs> where did I get Marvy? <laughs> Henry <laughs> Henry Methvin, amongst many others. Nice. And as usual, with a lot of uh, the, what are they? I, I don't even know the word for it. The most popular characters. They were heavily exploited in the media back then for their so called crimes. And some of them are myths as well, which we'll get into. A lot of them about Bonnie are myths. A lot of them about Bonnie are myths, uh, which we'll get into as, as well. The funny thing is we might know of them all as uh, bank robberies, but they actually prefer to rob small stores and rural gas stations. It's like, they fuck did. those bank robberies. They, they robbed about a dozen of them, but it killed at least nine police officers, several civilians. Until that fateful day on May 23rd, 1934, we've all seen the pictures of the bullet-riddled car. Right. Which Did you watch The Highwaymen with
2: Costner? I never made uh, it to the end of that movie. Costner and... uh, Woody. Woody Harrelson? No, and it shows, actually, what you just said there. Robbing little stores and shit like that. Right. Good stuff.
3: I never made it to the end. I only made it, like... I made it to, like, right when they first started tracking them, and then oh, I think I fell asleep. Oh, and it gets good after that. And yeah, I think I'm like sure it does, but it was, like, hour it was like hour an hour, hour to get to the fucking part yeah. where they first started tracking them. I think it's, like, two and a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. Because Kevin Costner's wife's like, no, don't go. Right. He's like, I have to. She's like, no. Then him and Woody's character didn't get along with each other uh-huh, or something? Of course. You know, and then they'd be like, oh, I love you guys. Right. I probably I don't know. I've never seen the end of it. but uh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's been a while since I watched it. But as usual, we're going to take you to the story. We were going to do originally Bonnie, a whole episode on Bonnie, a whole episode on Clyde, but it's not a lot about these guys when they were growing up. All we know really about them is their exploits through robbing and killing. So we'll Mm -hmm. take it away. Mm -hmm. You're going to see the real story of Bonnie and Clyde and a bunch of myths that people are known to... uh, never been passed down i guess throughout the years that right. uh just never happened so you know, how it goes. you know how we we know how we do it well you got we'll start off with the old
2: bonnie obviously ladies first bonnie elizabeth parker was the second of three children born in rowena texas to charles and emma kraus parker's dash parker or Krause parker so oh her mom's name was kraus and her dad's name is parker or was it Krause Parker?
3: It's Parker, man. I'm hmm. sure the chick's name was Krause, yes.
2: Right. Anyway, she was born October 1st, 1910. When she was just four years old, her father passed away, and the family moved to Cement City.
3: Seaman City?
2: <laughs> if that's how you say it, I don't know. An industrial Obviously. suburb known as uh, West Dallas. Now known as West Dallas, yeah. To live with her grandparents. So she went out there to live with her old grandparents. Mommy couldn't do it anymore, I guess, huh? Uh, in her second year in high school, Parker met a boy named Roy Thornton and the pair dropped out of school and were married on 25th of September in 1926 uh-huh. 6 days before her 16th birthday she
3: was 16 he only was only 16
2: but i was too young to know
3: Yeah, we were in love however however
2: their time together was brief as thornton was physically abusive and the two had several brushes with the law several brushes 1929 thornton was sentenced to 5 year prison sentence for robbery and Bonnie was like, my you know mama what? My
3: told me you weren't no good. I mean, my grandma anyway.
2: Right. She's like, I go back to my grandma. And she did. She moved back in with grandma. She would never see Thornton once again. Once again. Ever again. <laughs> once again. Yeah. She would never see Thornton Come again. On once. Yes, right? I guess. <laughs> but they were never divorced. Uh-oh.
3: And Bonnie was wearing Thornton's wedding ring when she died. Maybe uh, Clyde had some... Weird ass fetish. He was like, don't take that ring off, bitch. Right. Don't take that ring off.
2: Well, speaking of Clyde. Well, they were even, every, even if they were like fucking around, they're like, dude, you gotta go by the law or God or whatever. You're married. You can't take that shit off.
3: That shit was like sacred back then. Was it? A little more. They were fucking killing people. I don't think what it fucking mattered. it. Yeah, but it did. I mean, I guess it did to her. But speaking of Clyde, he was named Clyde Chestnut <laughs> Barrow and was born into a poor farming family near Talico, Texas, oh, of course. which is a sound just, town just southeast of Dallas, on uh, March twenty fourth, nineteen o nine. It's about a year older than old Bonnie. He was the fifth of seven children of Henry Basil Barrow and Kumi Talitha Walker. They eventually moved to West Dallas in the early 20s, at first living under their wagon. These motherfuckers were poor. Wow. well. Clyde was first arrested in late 1926. Same year was that 17 old, years uh, old. She was getting married, married and uh, he was going to jail. He was going to jail after running when, a police, com- when the police confronted him over a rental car. He had failed to return on time. He was arrested again when he and his brother Marvin Buck Barrow were in possession of stolen turkeys. Oh, no. Barrow had some legitimate jobs during 1927 through 1929, but he also cracked safes, robbed stores, and stole cars at the same time. So this guy never really ever left the life of crime. Gunfighter was
2: one of the first boosters, man. Damn, gone in 60 seconds. Gone in like three hours and a half.
3: (laughs) 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 Gone in... Seven hundred and eighty seconds.
2: Right, it's gonna take a while, guys. I gotta <laughs> crank.
3: <Damn. laughs> they're probably gonna the, see I gotta, me. I gotta work the choke, and they're probably gonna see me because it's so fucking smoky.
2: Right, and then I'm gonna have to kill the fucking owner because he's gonna hear this shit. All right, <laughs> and then probably the rest of the family because the car still ain't gonna start by then. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta wait another fifteen minutes. <laughs> it was just
3: minutes. cranking while yeah. people were coming out of the house, just fucking <laughs> shooting the shit. And then I gotta, I gotta wait, wait another say.
2: fifteen minutes for it to warm up.
3: <laughs> right. Good thing there are no phones. <laughs>
2: It's going to be a while, guys. Several counts describe Parker and Barrow's first meeting. Several counts. The most credible states that they met on January 5th, 1930, at the home of Barrow's friend Clarence Clay at
3: 105 Herbert Street. Clarence Clay. That guy just sounds like he was a success. Right.
2: Uh, 105 Herbert Street in the neighborhood of West Dallas. Barrow was 20 years old. Parker was 19. Mm. Parker was out of work, staying with a female friend uh that was she was assisting her friend uh recovery of a broken arm mm. like, i don't think you need to really assist with a broken
3: arm i mean <laughs> chicks always, chicks had to do a lot back in the day so she probably couldn't wash you know, the clothes, clothes to and the head, or do anything the
2: clothes they had to wear right. you know, no way you need like five hands to put them fuckers on those fucking uh girders or whatever the fuck they're called that's why i always fucking when i'm watching like a western or shit like that back in the day and you see them about to do it to a guy and a girl you know like He's like, it's going to about take about fucking 15 minutes for these guys to get their clothes off. I wonder how many times, by the time they got their clothes off, they were
3: just like, well. <laughs> right, like, man, I just don't feel like it anymore. This ain't a good idea. I wonder if a lot of them had, like, built-in um flaps you could just throw down. Right. It had to been,
2: right? Easy access. Nudity during sex fires. Well, fire wasn't a thing until, right. like, the 40s, 50s. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Barrow dropped by the girl's house while Parker was in the kitchen making hot chocolate. Okay, both were smitten I immediately. Were smitten. Hmm. Most historians believe that Parker joined Barrow because she had fallen in love with him. Wow, Most. I, I mean, come on, I Why would have fucking zoomed miles with Obviously, idiots. Their romance was interrupted when Uh-oh. Barrow was arrested and convicted of
3: auto theft. Come on, Barrow, you didn't fucking learn. Hmm. Well, apparently uh, Bonnie was so smitten with him because while he Ooh. was in jail, she smuggled a gun nice. on uh, March 11th, 1930, and he and his cellmates escaped. Whoa. However, How freedom would be short-lived as they were captured a week later. Uh, this time, Beryl was sentenced to 14 years of hard oh, labor shit. and sent to the Easton Prison Farm How in How long April was he 19- sentenced the first time? I didn't say. Oh, so he's going to... Uh, he's going to a labor camp, like right. literally fucking digging railroads and all that shit. 14
2: years. What an
3: idiot. Well, while in prison, Barrow used a lead pipe to crush the skull of another inmate, a man named Ed Crowder, who had repeatedly sexually assaulted him. Whoa. This was Clyde Barrow's first killing. However, how another inmate serving a life sentence took the blame for him. He's like, you know what? You're you a young guy.
2: So how do they know this guy was
3: sexually assaulting him? Right, I like to know that they asked other prisoners. He probably did it right in front of everybody. Like, what was going on? This guy kept putting his st- dick in his butt. Kept
2: ramming his ass. He kept on like, sticking his penis <laughs> in that guy's ass, and he he was like, no! <laughs> and he overpowered him. He did it at least 12 times. That was the first day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> did you think back then they wouldn't tolerate that shit anyways, but you, you, you fucking deserved it. Right. Well Barrow then convinced
2: another team teammate. <laughs> I, guess <laughs> I guess they would so, be, right? <laughs> They did some teammate. Right. Barrow then convinced another inmate to use an axe to chop off two of Barrow's toes mm-hmm. in order to excuse him from working hard labor in the fields, causing him to limp for the rest of his life. But Barrow could have saved his foot and had he known that his mother was pensioning a release for him.
3: <laughs> pensioning. Oh
2: petitioning, sorry. <laughs> I'll get a pension. Can I set a pension for my boy gets out in 14 years? Uh so he chopped
3: his toes off.
2: Not knowing that mommy was getting mommy, them out. Mommy
3: Mommy was just fucking about to get him released.
2: Right. Just six days after losing his toes, <laughs> the petition was granted. Oh no. He was paroled on the 2nd of February, 1932. Leaving prison. A <laughs> yeah. changed man. Yeah, I'd say
3: two less toes.
2: Right. And
3: a wider asshole. <laughs> there,
2: <laughs> there was one inmate, Ralph Fultz, F-U-L-T-S. Yes, sir. Would say he watched him. Changed from a schoolboy to a rattlesnake. Oh, okay. Uh oh. And his sister said something awful sure must have happened to him in prison because he wasn't the same person when he got out.
3: Well, after Barrow's release from prison in February nineteen thirty two, he and Fultz began a series of robberies, okay. primarily of stores and gas stations. All right. Their goal was to collect enough money and firepower to launch a raid against Easton prison. <laughs> Jeez. Really hated them for making him chop off his own toes. Apparently. Right. On April 19th, Parker and Fultz were captured in a failed hardware store burglary in Kaufman in which they intended to steal firearms. Parker was released from jail in a few months after the grand jury failed to indict her. Ah. Fultz was tried, convicted, and served time. He never rejoined the gang. Okay. Look at Bonnie getting in there robbing some fucking stores. Where? Right. Oh, where the fuck was Clyde?
2: 30th of April, Barrow was the getaway driver in a robbery in Hillsboro, during which store owner J.N. Butcher, or Busher, was shot and moited doesn't say who moited the guy but Richardcher's wife identified Barrow from police photographs as one of the shooters mm. well I thought he was the getaway guy although he had stayed inside the car right Parker wrote poetry to pass the time in jail this is
3: while this is while uh Bonnie's in jail oh, too, Bonnie, so. yeah Bonnie's
2: in jail right well Bonnie's in jail she's writing poetry and and uh
3: which a lot of it would be discovered and um it would Published after she died. She reunited with Barrow within a few weeks of her release from the Coffman County Jail. Damn. Yes, sir. Well, weeks. then on August 5th, Barrow, Raymond Hamilton, and Ross Dyer were drinking moonshine at a country dance in Stringtown, Oklahoma, when Sheriff C.G. Maxwell and Deputy Eugene Seymour approached them in the parking lot. Okay. They had a parking lot. I guess Why would so, they right? approach them though? Barrow and Hamilton opened fire, killing Moore and oh, gravely no. wounding Maxwell. Maxwell. Moore was the first law officer that Barrow and his gang had killed. They eventually murdered nine altogether. We Damn. said that. On October 11th, they allegedly killed Howard Hall at a store during a robbery in Sherman, Texas, though some historians consider this unlikely. Right. He's probably not in the area at the time. But why is that even in here? Right. The FBI? Right. I don't
2: know. Right. And the FBI, well, then called just the Bureau of Investigation, uh, the FBI became interested in Bonnie and Clyde in uh, December of 1932 through a singular... Bit of evidence. So all they had was this one little piece of evidence, and it was a bit. It was a Ford automobile which had been stolen in Pawhuska, Oklahoma. It was found abandoned near Jackson, Michigan, in the September of that very year. I don't know about Bonnie and Clyde being in Michigan, though. Oh, they were. Ah, at Pawhuska, it was learned another Ford car had been abandoned. There, which had been stolen in Illinois.
3: Well, search of this car revealed it had been occupied by a man and a woman, indicated by abandoned articles in the car. Also, in the automobile was a prescription bottle, which led special agents to a drugstore in Nacogdoches, Nacogdoches Texas, mm. where investigation disclosed the woman for whom the prescription had been filled was Clyde Barrow's aunt. Oh. Further investigation revealed that the woman who obtained the prescription had been visited recently by Clyde, Bonnie, and Clyde's brother, L.C. Barrow. It was also learned that these three were driving a Ford car identified as the one stolen in Illinois. Uh It was further shown that L.C. Barrow had secured the empty prescription bottle from a son of the woman who had originally obtained it. The FBI was now on the hunt for Bonnie and Clyde after all that. So that one little prescription bottle, they were pretty careless leaving fucking shit in the car unless they had to just get up and go. Probably had to. Or just careless, I think. Yeah. That's what I think it is. W.D. Jones
2: had been a friend of Barrow's family since childhood. He joined Parker and Barrow on Christmas Eve in 1932 at the young of age. Young of age? At the young age of 16.
3: Clyde came in and was like, honey, I got a Christmas present for you. She's like, oh, my gosh, what is it? He's like, a new gang member. (laughs) She's like, I fucking love it. She's like, yay. I fucking love it. I'll write a poem.
2: Right. And the three left Dallas that very night. That night. The very next day, which was Christmas Day, 1932, Jones and Barrow murdered Doyle Johnson, a Mm -hmm. young family man, while stealing his car in Temple. Poor guy, poor Doyle Johnson. Barrow killed Tarrant County Deputy Malcolm Davis on the 6th of January, 1933, when he, Bonnie, and Jones wandered into a police trap set for another criminal. The gang had murdered five people since April of Uh, that year. So that was just a couple months.
3: No, since April up there. Oh, the year before.
2: So, yeah, just under under a year. Under
3: a year, five people. I mean, it's pretty, not as big of a body count, but it's five people. In under a year. Right. Pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, That's one every two months. That's pretty... It's called serial killers. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like pointless murders. All me. right. On March twenty second, 1933, Clyde's brother, Buck, was granted a full pardon and released from prison. Oh, nice for Buck. Uh, he and his wife, Blant, set up housekeeping with Bonnie, Clyde, and Jones in a temporary hideout at 3347. <laughs> 3347 <laughs> three, three, and a half, Rundown Avenue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at huh. 3347 and a half, Oak Ridge Ooh. Drive so in Joplin, Missouri. Duplex then, huh? I would assume so. According to family sources, Buck and Blanche were there to visit. They attempted to persuade Clyde to surrender to law enforcement. The group ran loud alcohol-fueled card games late into the night into the quiet neighborhood, and Blanche recalled that they bought a case of beer a day. That's it. That's it. The men came and went noisily at all hours, and Clyde accidentally fired a bar, which is a gun, in the apartment while cleaning it. No neighbors went to the house, but one reported suspicions to the Joplin Police Department. Yeah. About the old pill bottle being left in the car. It sounds like they're pretty fucking reckless. That's they just don't give a fuck. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm getting that. They're, they're kids, 20 years old. Not even, yeah. 21 years old, right. fucking partying and just whatever, dude. And they haven't learned because
2: they've been doing it for the past, like, four years. Right. Well, well two. Since they're young. At least well, 17,
3: yeah. Well, yeah. 17 16.
2: was 17 first arrest. And they just haven't grew up. Mm. Even getting fucking busted a hundred million times. Okay. Well, sounds like a certain guy I know. <laughs> right. The police assembled a five-man force in two cars on the 13th of April to confront what they suspected were bootleggers living in the, uh, the garage apartment. Okay. The Barrow brothers and Jones opened fire, killing Detective Harry L. McGinnis outright and fatally wounding Constable J.W. Harryman. Parker opened fire with a What What is there with
3: everybody back in these days using their initials and... Nobody says their real name. Is right. J.W. Harriman. Like, can I be, can I be, uh.
2: What the fuck is the, uh, full term for a bar? It's like a shot off, sawed off shotgun or something like that, isn't it?
3: It's a Browning automatic rifle. Oh, okay. Browning automatic rifles, family automatic rifles and machine guns. So he had the machine gun. There. Oh, yeah. It's basically, yeah. Sure. Yes, nice. Good He's stuff. Fucking up shit. Oh, it's basically a 30 out 6. Nice.
2: Uh, okay. Where are we at here? Ah. Uh, Parker opened fire with a bar gun as the others fled, forcing Highway Patrol Sergeant J.B. Kaler, G.B. right, oh, (laughs) G.B. Kaler, (laughs) to duck behind a large oak tree.
3: Yeah, that'll uh, save him. So his name is probably George, George Cannon, George Barry or something. Right. While the 30-caliber bullets from the bar struck the tree and forced wood splinters into the sergeant's face, Parker got in the car with the others and they pulled in Blanche from the street where she was pursuing her dog Snowball. Stupid bitch. The surviving officers later testified that they had only fired only 14 rounds in the conflict. One hit Jones on the side. One struck Clyde, but was deflected by a suit coat button and one grazed Buck after ricocheting off a wall. These guys are running around fucking wounded. At least the uh, WD is.
2: Well, the group escaped the police in Joplin, but left behind most of their possessions at the apartment, including Buck's parole papers. Three weeks old, this was. Mm -hmm. See, that's the stupid part when they have to fucking run and can't come back and now everything's there. So now they you know for sure this is who we are. Yep. You fucking morons. A large arsenal uh, of at weapons. This point, oh my.
3: At this point, it's only going to end how it ends. There's no other well, ending for none. this story, but what happened? Yeah, there's none.
2: Well, they all, they left Buck's papers for parole, a large arsenal of weapons, a handwritten poem by Bonnie and a camera with several rolls of undeveloped film, which is Right, all kinds of shit on
3: there. Most of them is what you see right. of Bonnie and Clyde, right, in any picture you've ever seen of them. Right. Police developed the
2: film at the Joplin Globe and found many photos of Barrow, Parker, and Jones posing and pointing weapons at one another. These guys were fucking just like, dude, I swear. The Globe wow. Sent, right, the Globe sent the poem and the photos over to the newswire, including a photo of Parker clenching a cigar in her teeth. So that's how they, they thought she was smoking right. a cigar, which Right. it wasn't. That's a, well... It's unproven myth. Hypothesis. Would be a myth. Would it be a myth? It'd be a myth. But it's still not proven that she. I mean, it's still not nothing to say that she didn't. Maybe. Well, and a pistol in her hand. So she had a cigar in her teeth and a pistol in her hand. Was she wearing a dress? At least I'm assuming so. And the gang of criminals became front
3: page news throughout America as you guessed it, the Barrow Gang. Yeah. The photo, the photo of Parker posing with a cigar and a gun became popular. Oh, this is what the newspaper said The fo- after the photo became popular. They said John Dillinger had matinee idol good looks and pretty boy Floyd had the best possible nickname. But the Joplin photos introduced a new cr- new criminal superstars with the most titillating trademark of all illicit sex. Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker were wild and young and undoubtedly slept together. Oh, damn. <laughs> Basically calling Parker a whore. Right.
2: See, this, this had made uh, Pretty Boy Floyd and John Dillinger happy, though, because it took
3: some of the heat off of these guys. Well, at this time, John Dillinger was public enemy number one, which we'll get into both him and uh, Pretty Boy. Right. but uh, does take it off, because But look how they describe him, wild and young, exactly what the fuck they've been uh, characterizing right. throughout wild what we've, what we've seen young. so far.
2: They should just call him ignorant idiots.
3: Right. Young, dumb, and full of cum.
2: At least Bonnie. And maybe Clyde. Oh, <laughs> Clyde definitely was. He was.
3: Well, sure he was still, still shitting that sure shit. Son of it's still. Him, he right? was still shitting that shit out for fucking <laughs> right. years. I mean, your intestines are right. Mild. When long they, they did autopsies on him, they found the fucking DNA from that guy in <laughs> yeah, him still. That's how they knew, right? right. <laughs> Little like half born babies. I don't know how, since
2: there's no uterus or anything. But maybe a colon it can create children if you put it up there far enough.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty fucked up. Shit, uh, baby. Right. So it sounds like fucking, uh, Jim Leahy. It's <laughs> a little shit, baby, Randy. Yeah, it's gonna be a shit storm.
2: Anyway, the group range from Texas as far north as Minnesota. So these guys from Texas all the way up to Minnie for the next three months. So, uh, they're just all over the fucking place nonstop, right? Yes, sir. Well, in May, they try to rob the bank in Lucerne, Indiana and rob the bank in the. <laughs> They tried to? Did tried. they do it? I don't think so. They didn't get the one on Lucerne, but they robbed the bank in Okabena, Minnesota, though. Okay. Anyway, they kidnapped Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone at Rustin. What the fuck names are these? Right. Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone. Right. Like, holy shit. They sound totally made up. Right. So they kidnapped those guys because they're trying to steal the car, and they must have put up a fuss so they had to throw them in or whatever. I don't know.
3: In Rustin, Louisiana, another made up right. sounding name.
2: In Rustin, Louisiana. This was one of several events between 1932 and 1934 in which they kidnapped police officers or robbery victims. Jeez. They usually released their hostages far from home, though. Sometimes with money to help them return home. Oh, look those guys. It's like, hey, dude, we didn't want to have to do If we you just, just fucking. Just, the
3: fucking cars, if dude.
2: you would have just fucking left the fucking car, you'd have been good. But now we had to drive you fucking 200 miles from your home in the middle of nowhere. They haven't invented phones yet oh dude uh,
3: how much you think they like, were their phones in 1926 of course why how much no, you think they right, yeah. how much you think they fucked with them before like letting them go like i'm gonna fucking kill you now i'm oh, like ah, they threw money you at know, him like depends. get the fuck out of here well, it
2: depends on how sick they were i want to well, hear I'm pretty sure they were fucking pretty sick well, well was there any stories of these two that they put out you think there would be like an autobiography how i how we we survive bonnie
3: and clyde right how would you not do you think so, right? Uh, you would fucking think so. Right. Stories of such encounters uh, may headlines as did the more violent episodes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the Barrel Gang did not hesitate to shoot anyone who got in their way, whether it was a police officer or an innocent civilian. Other members of the Barrel Gang who committed murder included Hamilton, Jones, Buck, and Henry Methvin.
2: So if they're known not to, I mean, to shoot anybody that's in their way, no matter what, so why did they take hostages when they did? If they're, willing, if they're willing to take out somebody that's in their way. Dude, they're young and fucking
3: wild. They're right. probably like, oh, let's get this fucking guy. And right. who knows if they raped a the chick and did what to the guy. Very who true. fucking knows? Who knows? That
2: is very true.
3: Well, eventually the cold bloodedness of their murders is what uh, opened up the public's eyes to the reality of their crimes. And eventually led to uh, their very bloody end.
2: The photos entertained the public for a, a bit of a time. But the gang was desperate and discontented. Is that how you say it? Discontented. Yeah, man. That's a stupid they're not word. Content, I they're get discontented. it. I get it. But that's a
3: dumb word. Listen discontented. Right,
2: as described by Blanche in her account written while in prison in the late 1930s, with the new notoriety, <clears throat> with their new notoriety, their daily lives became more difficult. Obviously, as they tried to evade
3: discovery. Yeah, I mean, when you got a fucking crime scene through the middle of America, it's a little hard to just
2: run around, you know. I mean, at first they could hide their faces, or they didn't let anybody survive to say what they look like. And then they're leaving shit behind. Right. And, I mean, they're idiots. Idiots. Restaurants and motels became less secure. They resorted to campfire cooking and bathing in cold streams. Mm. The unrelieved round-the-clock proximity of five people in one car gave rise to vicious bickering. Right. Turning on each That's other. That's
3: the thing that people, right, they're sitting in a fucking hot-ass car for hours on end, three in the backseat, elbow-to-elbow.
2: In the, in, the, in the 20s and 30s. Right. With Their cars are very tiny anyway. You can maybe fit two in the backseat comfortably. Yeah. Maybe. Anyhow. Jones was the driver when he and Beryl stole a car belonging to Darby in late April. So they wanted another car. They're like, fuck this shit. We need two car. And he used that car to leave the others. <laughs> no, he's like, fuck this shit.
3: <laughs> well, the car that they stole from um, the Darby guy and Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone... That's the car that they're talking about, and then he eventually used that to fucking just leave. <laughs> he was like, "Fuck you guys, dude! Fuck you guys! I'm getting away from this fucking fucked up game." Right. They had the other car, and he just decided right. to
2: take this one. Yeah, I get it. Then yeah. he left. Right. He left. He got that car, and he was like, "Fuck this! I need to go." And he left for what? What was the month were they in? April. He left for two months. A couple months. Well. Came back on June eighth.
3: Barrel fade failed to see a warning. Sighing at a bridge under construction on June 10th. No, oh, no. While driving with Jones and Parker. Now, Joan comes back and this shit happens. Right. Instantly. While driving with Jones and Parker near Wellington, Texas, and the car flipped into a ravine. Sources disagree on whether there was a gasoline fire or if Parker was doused with acid from the car's battery under the floorboards. Ooh. But she sustained third degree burns to her right leg so severe that the muscles contracted and caused the leg to draw up. Oh, no. Jones observed she'd been burned so bad none of us thought she was going to live. The hide on her right leg was gone from her hip down to her ankle. I could see the bone at places. Damn. Damn. She got that shit burnt. That sounds like an acid burn. That don't sound like a fucking uh, and Yeah.
2: And these words that this Jones guy wrote down later in his life or something? Obviously, since they're in quotation I marks. So, right?
3: There's, that's his quote, so. Hmm.
2: I'd like to read his.
3: Autobiography.
2: Right, or whatever he has. I'm sure that if they have that, they have more. Hmm. Could have
3: been a statement to the popos. I doubt they talked to the cops. Dude, you got caught. call Parker right. Parker could hardly walk. (laughs) Hardly. You think? Hardly. (laughs) She shouldn't even be able to
2: stand up. She either hopped on her good leg or was carried by Barrow. No. Oh wait, when first happened, that's what you're saying? Okay. Damn. This bitch is strong. She well, I'm sure she was carried by Barrow. I bet she wasn't that good looking either.
3: Oh, there's a couple pictures of her.
2: Decent. I think I remember, but I really okay Oh yeah, I do know.
1: Yeah
3: everyone has faced the problem what gift to choose what to give yourself when you sit at home what to give your friend or parents what to give your wife or husband what what to give your children or colleague at work well Unidragon and their wooden puzzles has this problem solved why do people love Unidragon puzzles well each puzzle piece has its own unique shape it's interesting for adults and children each puzzle is packed in a premium wooden gift box so no flimsy cardboard tearing the edges fall apart you know how it goes New puzzles are released every month, and they have an incredibly colorful design. You will not regret checking this product out. Not only is it an excellent and unique gift for others, but it can be a gift for yourself. There's no better gift than one for yourself, right? They're perfect for a nice, relaxing afternoon, and figuring out the puzzle will help keep your mind sharp. So you can go to Unidragon.com and use the code OUTLAWS for 10% off your order. They got pretty cool-looking wolf. The animal ones are pretty sweet. They got a wolf one, um, a fox one, a lion one. They're and the the best thing about these ones that I really like is every shape of the puzzle is the shape of a different animal. So you're kind of figuring that out. It's not just boring little puzzle pieces that you got to try to fit together. And they're made of nice sturdy wood. They also have ones you can get a big map of the world and hang it on your wall, a big wooden one, and pin out your destinations you want to go. They got everything. That anybody could ever want for a puzzle anything that you would ever need so it wouldn't be too hard to find a puzzle for somebody you love or even for yourself for those uh rainy days so head on over to unidragon.com for the most unique creative and challenging puzzles out there and use the code outlaws and let them know we sent you and get that 10 percent discount
2: Uh, They got help from a nearby farm family, then kidnapped Collinsworth <laughs> County <laughs> Sheriff George Corey and City Marshal Paul Hardy, leaving the two of them handcuffed and barbed-wired to a tree outside of Eric, Oklahoma. So, at least they didn't kill the the farm family. You know? We don't know that. Well, they would have... All right. Damn. You think they did? I don't think
3: they did. They would have said it, probably. It was fucked up if they did. It would be like the last... Well, they got help them. from them. I don't think they're going to... No, Killed somebody guys, that helped them
2: The guys from the last house on the left were gonna. No, they didn't until they realized daughter was there. Right. That's right. Dumb bitch had to come back. She would have came back like ten hours later, she would have been fine but their guts hanging out. Oh no, that was the other one that had the guts hang on. Made her pee herself.
3: Well the other one ended up dying in the fucking river anyway, so Oh yeah. Wait, was that the daughter? Oh no, then she came back from that, right? Yeah, she came back. And then the mom and dad
2: like chainsaw the other guys to death or some shit? Oh, they fucked up. No, I didn't. my mom. Did. I think the mom did. I don't know about the dad.
3: Yeah, I think dad might have died.
2: But the girl was laying on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. That's right. I remember mm-hmm. now, gruesome.
3: Casey, baby.
2: Well, the new one wasn't as good as the older one.
3: Never saw the new one. Don't plan on it. But you got to watch the director's cut of Last House on the Left, though. I haven't. I wanted to. That's the one where you like actually. They show they more gruesome shit. Sp- they spend shit in the like woods. five minutes pulling the intestines right. out of the fucking the woods. One yeah. chick, yeah. Wait, they,
2: they show all that? Fuck
3: yeah, dude, he's like pulling it out
2: of her. Yeah, they ain't put none. They put a little bit of that in the new one. The three rendezvoused with Buck and Blanche and hitting a tourist court near Fort Smith, Arkansas so Parker could. Get with the burns, man. <laughs> do you want to try? Do you want uh, to you the try the
3: Southern accent? <laughs>
2: she, has get, she has to get with burns. <laughs> she has, to get, with she has burns. to get right with her burns. to get with her burns. Anyway, yeah, that's what he did. And there's old Parker's Burns, Bucking Jones, Bungled Day robbery and Murder Town Marshal
3: Henry D. Humphrey. See, that's a good band
2: name, <laughs> Henry D. Humphrey.
3: No, well, <laughs> maybe Bucking Jones, Bungled a robbery. <laughs> I would fucking have that as a band name. Right, that's too much to say. Why? Y'all seeing B A J B A R tonight?
2: Right. B A. They murdered. B A J B A R. Right. It's Badge Bar. <laughs> you guys seen Badge Bar tonight? You seen Badge Bar. They murdered it in Elma. <laughs> 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 so much that Henry D Humphrey was there. Anyway, at this time, Buck and Jones bungled a robbery and murdered town marshal Henry D Humphrey in the city of Elma in the state of Arkansas. The criminals had to flee,
3: despite Parker's grave condition. Grave condition. Obviously, can't stay here no longer. In July 1933, the gang checked into the Red Crown Tourist Court south of Platte City, Missouri. It consisted of two brick cabins joined by garages, and the gang rented both of them. Right. To the south stood the Red Crown Tavern, a popular restaurant among Missouri Highway Patrolmen, and the gang seemed to go out of their way to draw attention. are These guys fucking retarded. Blanche registered the party as three guests, but owner Neil Hauser could see five people getting out of the car. Hmm. He noted that the driver backed into the garage gangster style for hey. a quick getaway. Damn. So nobody, that's oh, a, right, I right. bet you that's a thing, too. Nobody fucking, right. who's going to back their car into the garage? They're just right. going to ride it up. He's like, yeah, only criminals fucking uh, back, back away then, yeah. for a quick getaway is like that. Yeah. Right. Good, good observation by old Neil Hauser. It's great.
2: Well, Blanche paid for their cabins with coins rather than bills and did the same hmm. later when buying five dinners and five beers. The next day, Hauser noticed that his guests had taped newspapers over the windows. And uh, Blance once again paid for five meals with coins. What the fuck are these guys doing? Her outfit of jod purr riding breeches also attracted attention. What's his jod, jod pur? It's probably fucking... It's the
3: riding breeches for horse riding and stuff, oh. or uh, car riding or something.
2: They were not typical attire for women in the area that were... That, you know, so these these guys are out of towners. They're backing their cars in. They're paying with coins, right? Not a lot of people paying coins in 1920, 1930 something. Be. That's like a eight. That's a wild, wild West thing. Wild, Wild West.
3: Shot are yep. tight-fitting trousers that reach to the ankle. Yeah, are like routing, uh, no. riding fucking trousers. Yeah.
2: Oh, well, she's ready to jump on a horse whenever she needs to. So uh,
3: they didn't even take horses.
2: Well, if she needs to, she's so, good. I don't understand why she's wearing them, but <laughs> yeah. I would say that
3: attract attention.
2: Well, everybody else be bitching because their shits right now. These guys are up.
3: fucking idiots taping wind or newspaper over their windows. Like, that's not going to get you fucking uh, attention. Right. God, and oh, what the fuck? Idiot. Not one of these people in this gang had any fucking common sense.
2: Right. Well, anyway, yeah, that's what they're, that's the number one thing they remembered. This chick, she had these, horse riding material, right. clothes on. Uh, it attracted attention from everybody that was around. <laughs> they were not typical attire for women in this area. Mm-hmm. And the eyewitnesses still remembered them 40 years later.
3: Hey, man. You remember that woman uh, about 40 years ago was came in there riding her, uh, getting those jodper riding breeches? <laughs>
2: and them fellas, they went, They backed that car right in like they're ready to load. Fucking gangsters. Ready to get out of the fucking air shit quick. Mm-hmm. Shit quick. Shit Isn't quick. <laughs> get out of there shit quick. How's it told Captain William Baxter of the Highway Patrol, a patron of his restaurant, he was like, guys, hey, hey, hey buddy. Let me tell you about this group that just came in. There's there's just these <laughs> are, there's there's are some weird motherfuckers that just pulled up in my shit.
3: <laughs> they're fucking newspapers over the windows. Fucking nuts. This bitch is wearing horses. <laughs> horses, but <laughs> these bitches <laughs> this bitch is wearing horses uh <laughs> shoes and <laughs>
2: Right. Like, what the hell? This bitch is wearing horses. All he
3: hair is clink, clink, right. clink, clink. Poor little wearing, Tink Tink.
2: Right. bitch is wearing horses clothing, and we haven't <laughs> seen a horse
3: in 20 years. Right. Like, I thought those things were dead. Well, Barron Jones went into town to purchase bandages, crackers, cheese, and atropine sulfate to treat Parker's leg.
2: I mean, if there's three things you got to have is bandages, crackers, and cheese. Right.
3: And atropine sulfate to well, treat that's burns.
2: A, that's a... That's a uh, that's a bonus.
3: The druggist contacted How Sheriff Holt. How often they have burns? <laughs> Probably a lot.
2: Well, now Parker's leg is a burnt leg for life.
3: <laughs> the sulfate is to treat her leg. Like. Right. <laughs> I don't get what you were getting at there. Uh, well, the I mean, druggist you know contacted Sheriff Holt Coffee, who put the cabins under surveillance.
2: They're like, this motherfucker just came here for some cracker cheese and some fucking burn cream. And <laughs> some burn cream, pretty <laughs> much, right? And
3: he's like, hmm. That sounds a little suspicious. That's weird. Right. <laughs> I don't know. They're going to wrap each other in bandages and burn cream and eat crackers and cheese while doing it. Or wrap the crackers and cheese in the burn cream and bandages. Right. Maybe it was like a... Right. Well, coffee had been alerted by Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas, as dang no. said. Nice. Law enforcement to watch for strangers seeking such supply... Wow, they want to oh, see wow. who is buying this shit and where. Right. Nice. The Good. sheriff contacted Captain Baxter, who called for reinforcements from Kansas City, including an armored car. Oh, shit. Oh, car. shit. Shit's about to get real real here. Oh. Sheriff Coffee led a group of officers towards the cabins at 11 p.m. armed with Tommy guns, Ooh. baby. Here's the Tommy guns. They're like, Bonnie and Clyde, say hello to my little <laughs> 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 Like,
2: Cubans aren't here yet. All <laughs> right. They're like, what the fuck is that? All right. <laughs> In the gunfight which ensued, the forty five caliber uh, Tommy gun was no match for Barrow's thirty caliber. Well, they had more than one. Or, right, they had more than one. But yeah, it was they all more. were armed with Thompsons. Right. There were no match for Barrow's thirty caliber, though. Nope. Which was stolen on the seventh of July from the National Guard Armory at Indeed, Oklahoma.
3: Apparently, there's no story on that. Right. <laughs> These guys just pulled off a fucking gun robbery at the National Guard armory. Right. That's fucking nuts. July 7th. And when where are we at here? That was a while
2: ago. He said he had this gun. Long. This is in July of, of 1933
3: game. that they're here.
2: In the beginning of the show, they said he had this gun.
3: Right. Maybe it was a different one, though. Because they left around. He left. Maybe. Remember, they said that yeah, in that one right. place he they left, left a bunch of weapons.
2: Us. Well, the gang escaped when a bullet short circuited the horn on the armored car mm. and the police officers mistook it for a ceasefire signal. Oh no. They did Talk not, about fucking luck. They did not pursue the retreat in barrel vehicle. Fucking talk about luck. They watch these guys get in the vehicle and drive away and they're like, what do we do? We're like, well, the horn's
3: going on. A, a random. <laughs> the horn's going on the armored car, so. A random fucking bullet hits a fucking horn and everybody's like, right. oh, that means ceasefire. So is this a, a real. So well, the gang had evaded the law once again, but Buck had sustained a bullet wound that blasted a large hole in his forehead, skull bone, and exposed his injured brain. And Blanche was nearly blinded by glass fragments in both her eyes. Wow. Yeah. Wait a minute here. Buck had
2: a sustained a bullet wound that blasted a, a large, large hole, hole in his forehead, skull
3: bone. And it, so his forehead was fucking exposing his brain. And it, wow. And she was nearly blinded by glass fragments in both her eyes. The Barrow gang camped at Dexfield
2: Park, an abandoned amusement park near Dexter, Iowa. And that, that was, uh, the 24th of July that they did this. Buck was sometimes semi-conscious and he even talked and ate. Damn. What if I was eating and talking with the with brain exposed? But his massive head wound and loss of blood were so severe that Barrow and Jones dug a grave for him. <laughs> oh no. Local residents right. noticed their bloody bandages and officers determined that the campers were the barrel game well, what
3: are they fucking hang him on clotheslines to dry him out
2: don't what was going on in here
3: i had to have. i mean i right. had probably had to reuse the
2: bandages and so they see somebody digging a grave right I mean, like, <laughs> what are these guys
3: doing digging a grave for that guy well local police officers and approximately 100 spectators surrounded the group and the barrel soon came under fire oh no shit barrel parker and jones escaped on foot literally for parker um Buck was shot in the back, and he and his wife were captured by the officers. Okay. Buck died of his head wound and pneumonia after surgery five days later at King's Daughter's Hospital in Perry, Iowa.
2: Damn. He still less than five days after after
3: getting shot in the back. Nice. Dude was shot in the head, exposing his brain. Then got shot in the fucking back, and dies from pneumonia. Pretty much, actually.
2: Yeah, is that is just, he got an infection? Yeah. Right
3: wow they, they fucking completely uh fuck buck up they they completely hung buck and blanche out to dry though the right. gang's like fuck you guys I mean, what bye do you do? What do you, they would have done the same thing uh, probably
2: right for the next six weeks the remaining perpetrators ranged far afield from their usual area of operations so they got the fuck out of there
3: it just took you this fucking long to figure it out right. go to a new area
2: right they went west to colorado north to minnesota southeast to mississippi Yet they continue to commit armed robberies. Idiots. They restocked their arsenal when Barrow and Jones robbed an armory at Platteville, Illinois. Hmm. On August, uh, 20, 20th, acquiring three assault rifles Dude, from they love the bars. Yeah, the bar guns. They got some handguns and a large quantity of ammunition, obviously. Nice. So these guys were like, you know what? We're ready. Right. We're, but they're like still staying around that area. Yeah. They're like circling around their fucking, Idiots. I mean, how far can you go, really? This has
3: really proved to me how stupid these fucking uh, Bonnie and Clyde were, Done. to be honest with you. Done. Well, by early September, the gang risked a run to Dallas to see their families for the first time in four months. Fucking morons! Jones parted company with them, continued to Houston where his mother had moved. <laughs> he was arrested there without incident on November 16th and returned to Dallas. Through the autumn, Barrel committed several robberies with small-time local accomplices, while his family and Parker's while his family and Parker's family attended to her considerable medical needs,
2: oh, she still needed it. This of course, bitch fucking yeah. hurting. It
3: takes Dude, a long time. Let's say
2: long time. Her skin's burning. literally
3: got to grow back at over le- bones.
2: At least a year, right? Jeez. Twenty second November, they narrowly evaded arrest while trying to meet with family members uh, near Sowers, Texas. Uh, Dallas Sheriff Smoot Schmid. <laughs> 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 Damn, a name. Sheriff Smoot Schmid. Yeah. <laughs> It was a fucking crazy name. <laughs> deputy Bob Elcorn and Deputy Ted Hinton, they lay wait oh, nearby. Oh, no. As Barrow drove up, he sensed a trap, drove past his family's car, at which point Smid and his deputy stood up and opened fire with their machine guns and a bar. Okay. Like, they got three, we got one. We can at least do something. right? The family members in the crossfire were not hit. But a bar bullet passed through the car, striking the legs of both Barrow and Parker.
3: Jeez, their legs cannot fucking recover. She's like, son of a bitch. Like, (laughs) son of a bitch. Got the other one.
2: (laughs) They escaped later that
3: night, though. Oh, no. Fucking Bonnie. Their leg is fucked, man. On November 28th, a Dallas grand jury delivered a murder indictment against Parker and Barrow for the killing in January, nearly 10 months earlier, of Tarrant County Deputy Malcolm Davis. It was Parker's. First warrant for murder. Wow, it took that long? But not Clyde's. Right. Wow. 16th January,
2: 1934. Clyde orchestrated the escape of Hamilton, Methvin, and several others in the Easton Breakout. The Brazen Raid generated negative publicity for uh, for Texas. And Clyde seemed to have achieved what historian Phillips suggests was his overriding goal. Revenge on the Texas... Department of Corrections.
3: Okay, so he did that. And then He's like, Let's get out of the game guys.
2: now. He's like, my ass still hurts. <laughs> right. Motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> the Barrow gang member, Joe Palmer, shot Major Joe Crowson during his escape, and Crowson died a few days later in this very hospital.
3: These guys are just murdering everybody. Well, this attack attracted the full power of the Texas and federal government to the manhunt for Barrow and Parker. Right. As Croson struggled for life, prison chief Lee Simmons reportedly promised him that all persons involved in the breakout would be hunted down and moited. Moited. He swore that they would all be hunted down and killed, though. So he was like, we're going to get them all, boy. I'll get them for you. Don't worry, Croson. Right. He's like, you, you
2: get them, you get them bastards you for get me. them sons of bitches. You
3: get them. America. I will. Right. I will. The
2: Texas Department of Corrections contacted former Texas Ranger Captain Frank Hamer. And persuaded him to hunt down the Barrow Gang. Okay. He's like, come on, Frank. He's like, you know, I'm out. And he's like, come on, Frank. They did some shit. Fucked up a boss. <laughs> Fucked up a boss." He was retired. And he was like, I'm retired. And they're like, I don't care. Your commission is not expired yet, though. Which means he's still legal to practice law, right? Practice law. <laughs>
3: practice law. Pra-
2: practice, practice enforcing law. And he was like, you know what? I think I gotta do this, but I don't want to be a ranger anymore. I want to be a Texas highway patrol officer. <laughs> They're like, I don't even know what that
3: is. <laughs> They're like, wow, we just made it. I just
2: made it up. Second, secondarily assigned to prison system as a special investigator as well. And given the specific tasks of taking down the barrel gang. Mm. So this guy is dealing with, damn, he, he was retired, not doing nothing. And then he was like, well, I want to, I want <laughs> to, I want to <laughs> I I be the secretary of what? What was he? He's like the main leader of the with prison system. Secretary of anything? Oh, he was a special investigator of the prison system, right. and he's going to be a fucking the first
3: ever fucking highway guy. That's what that guy looks like. He looks like he's on for some shit.
2: Kind of looks like Costner.
3: Costner has nothing to do with.
2: Yeah, wasn't that the Kevin Costner character that he played?
3: All oh, right, yeah, because right. his wife was like, "No, no retired." retired. He he's like, da, da, da. Well, I'm still commissioned." No, Frank <laughs> Hamer. <laughs> well, Hamer was tall, burly, and taciturn, unimpressed by authority and driven by an inflexible adherence to right or what he thinks is right. Right. For 20 years, he had been feared and admired through Texas as the walking embodiment of the one-riot, one-ranger, Ethos.
2: So he's a badass. Right. He's a badass motherfucker.
3: Well, he had acquired a formidable reputation as a result of several spectacular captures and the shooting of a number of Texas criminals. He was officially credited with 53 kills and suffered 17 wounds. Damn, dude. This guy, that's... That's fucking um, Walker, Texas Ranger. Right. Fucking, um, what's his name?
2: Who plays him? Oh, Chuck Norris.
3: Chuck Norris ain't got nothing on Frank Hamer. You ain't kidding. 53 motherfuckers. Right. 53 motherfuckers. And wounded 17 times himself.
2: Person Boss Simmons always said publicly that Hamer had been his very first choice, although there is evidence that he first approached two other Rangers, both of whom declined because they're like... Nah, I'm not going to shoot a woman. <laughs> Frank's like, I'll fucking shoot that bitch right in her head. Right. Starting mm-hmm. on 10th of February, Hammer became the constant shadow of Barrow and Parker on every fucking move they did. Living out of his car, just a town or two behind them. Mm. Three of Hammer's four brothers were also Texas Rangers. Brother Harrison was the best shot of the four. But Frank was considered... The That's the most tenacious. tenacious. He, was the most, he was tenacious Frank.
3: Barrow and Methvin killed Highway Patrolman H.D. Murphy and Edward Bryant Wheeler on Easter Sunday of April 1st, 1934 at the intersection of Route 114 and dub Road near Grapevine, Texas, which is now called South Lake, Texas. Right. An eyewitness account said that Barrow and Parker fired the fatal shots and this story received widespread coverage. Widespread. Methvin later claimed that he had the... He had fired the first shot after mistakenly assuming that Barrow wanted the officers killed. Barrow joined in, firing at Patrolman Murphy. Uh, hmm, that's probably what happened. Yeah, most likely. All right.
2: During the spring season, the grapevine killings were recounted in exaggerated detail. I
3: heard it
2: about grapevine. It was very exaggerated in detail. But all these motherfuckers got killed. Right. And it affected, honey, honey, right, it, affected, it affected the public perception of what was going on. All four Dallas Daily Papers seized on the story told by the eyewitnesses. A farmer who claimed to have seen Parker laugh at the way that Murphy's head bounced like a rubber ball on the ground as she shot him. Hmm. The story, right. You see that? I remember her laughing, saying his it's head just bounced out like a rubber ball when it bouncing on the ground. <laughs>
3: Well, Give me it that scar. It didn't, it didn't bounce down the road. Mm, you know. When it hit the ground, it was right like, you
2: know. Oh, <laughs> Wouldn't
3: that be crazy if his head actually did that? was like, <laughs>
2: right. Uh, anyhow, the stories claimed that police found a cigar butt with tiny teeth marks with
3: on it. Tiny teeth marks
2: on it. Those those of Bonnie. Mm. Well, several days later, Murphy's fiance wore her intended wedding dress to his funeral, attracting photos and newspaper coverage. The oh, eyewitnesses look at, look at her. Right. The eyewitnesses ever changing story was soon discredited, but the massive negative publicity increased the public clamor for the extermination of Bonnie and Clyde. And his gang.
3: Whoever they were. Um, yeah, the public's like, dude, fuck these guys. Look how sad it is. Right. That Murphy's fiance wore her wedding dress right, her, yeah. her would be wedding dress to his funeral. funeral. I mean, come on. This way to tug on the old heartstrings of Americans, huh? Mm. Well, the outcry galvanized the authorities into action, and Highway Patrol boss LG Fairs offered a, war, a reward of 1000 bucks for the dead bodies of the Grapevine Slayers. He didn't even say dead well, or alive. That's
2: why he only offered 1000
3: You bring them here dead. Not, not their capture, just the bodies. Right. Texas Governor Ma Ferguson re- added another reward of $500 for each of the two killers, which meant that for the first time there was a specific price on Bonnie's head. Since she was so widely believed to have shot H.D. Murphy. So now they're fucked.
2: Now there's actually oh, money. Yeah. Now there's actually money on your head.
3: There's people looking for her, not right. even, not just the police. Public hostility increased five
2: days later <laughs> when, uh.
3: Oh, geez. These guys just don't learn.
2: Right. When Clyde and Methvin murdered 60 year old Constable William. His name was Cale Campbell.
3: Constable Cale. <laughs>
2: Constable Cale Campbell, a widower and a father. Hmm. Uh, oh, they just had to uh, add that in there, huh? Right. And they murdered him near Commerce, Oklahoma. Then they also kidnapped Commerce Police Chief Percy Boyd. They crossed the state line into Kansas and then let him go. Give him a clean shirt, a couple bucks, and a quest from Parker to tell the world that she did not smoke cigars. <laughs> you tell the motherfuckers that I do not smoke cigars. That's so nails, the Oh, so na- I did smoke cigarettes, though. So nails, The Her legs were so Fucking uh, burn up. It's like she puts cigars out for all of her life. Right. That's her ass All right. Boyd identified both Bonnie
3: and Clyde
2: to the authorities, but he never, ever, ever learned Methvin's name.
3: Okay. Well, the resultant arrest warrant for the Campbell murder specified Clyde Barrow, Bonnie Parker, and John Doe. Hysterian, historian Knight writes, for the first time, Bonnie was seen as a killer. Actually pulling the trigger, just like Clyde. oh Whatever chance she had for clemency had just been reduced. The Dallas Journal ran a cartoon on its editorial page showing an empty electric chair with a sign on it saying, Reserved. adding the words, Clyde and Bonnie. You know what I think happened here? I
2: think in the beginning, Bonnie was just along for the fucking ride. She was in love with fucking uh, Clyde, and she was demented herself, but not as much as Clyde. And then she got fucked up with the leg. So now she's not a woman anymore, basically. You know, I guarantee that's how it was. Look at me. Look at me, Clyde. You don't want this. You don't want this. He's like, That's all right, babe. I'll give me something at the bar tonight, but I will take care of you forever. <laughs> no, but and then after a while, she's like, Fuck this shit. And she got gruesome. I think she murdered out of hand, like they thought. But she didn't smoke no Sea Guys. She wanted the world to know that. Right.
3: I don't smoke Sea Guys, but I do murder.
2: But I do think that. When she got that leg injury with her leg almost burnt off, that and then she was like, No, fuck this shit. We're going down. Everybody wants to see
3: that, like, right. I think in the beginning, though, she was just affecting her. She's probably like, Right, look at me. Who the fuck the fuck? I might as well. Plus, I mean, they just had to escape from the cops seven different times, right? She already got that shit happen, got shot. Her Went fucking to prison. Buck died, right? The other bitch got captured.
2: Yeah, imagine that. She was taking care of him for two days with the fucking right. brain showing. So.
3: Yeah, some these motherfuckers, this is only the first part. And these guys are the dumbest criminals. Uh, Ever. If this was a uh Ever. A, a, a
2: young and dumb
3: dumbest criminals of the week segment, they would right. this would be a fucking segment on dumbest criminals cuz these You're guys kidding. just did every fucking thing and anything to be captured Isn't and somehow. Is there
2: a TV show on True TV what's it called? The World's, yeah, dumbest? world's yeah. dumbest. Yeah. The World's Smoking Dumbest. Smoking Gun Presents. Right.
3: Yeah, these guys did everything and anything they could to fucking get captured, but somehow <laughs> evaded police. Ridiculous, The whole fucking time, and killed more of them on the way. Ridiculous. Fucking crazy. I mean, wow. I'm unfortunately.
2: That, I'm actually surprised that they lived as as long as they fucking lived. It's well, nuts.
3: Un- unfortunately for them, in our uh, part two of this episode, we will be obviously talking about the fateful day for Bonnie and Clyde traveling down the uh, road in their was it, Model A, Model T, whatever the, like the fuck that. they were in, yeah, in the zone. ambush, the aftermath we go pretty in detail about the ambush, how it was set up, and who shot who, what shot what, and well, then...
2: Because um, they they detailed it all,
3: the yeah. shooters, the oh, yeah.
2: cops are there.
3: And then, um, yeah, the aftermath, and pretty much everything else that happened after that, and the uh, influence of Bonnie and, Bonnie and Clyde on the sensationalization of pretty much the 1930s crimes like these guys were committing, what's going to happen in... Uh, this next episode nice good stuff here boys we haven't even got to the good we just fucking well, seen how many this is another like wild west type episode uh, fucking it's just killings after killings after killings after, after killings murder, after killings
2: after murder after murder after
3: fucking murder after one
2: bad mistake after the next I mean these guys probably would have got away with a lot of the shit they did if it was in the wild west I don't, I don't know, know. I think so.
3: Why? Everybody else in the Wild West was getting chased down in posses, true. too. So, that's true. Yeah. Well, they just had cars to do it now. Right. So catch up to people a little bit, uh, a little bit quicker on a horse than right. on a horse. Right. But yeah, that's what part two is going to be about. We'll take a look at the shooting, the ins and outs of what took place, what happened during, how many shots were fired, what, what hit where, and, of course, the aftermath and what happened to the rest of the gang, including Blanche, who uh, a lot of the story would actually come from, is from Blanche writing shit in jail about it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'll be our next week episode. And then, uh, I don't know. Do we want to get right into, like, John Dillinger and Machine Gun Kelly? I don't know. We'll see you in a couple weeks. But You guys can go check us out over on the Bang & Dang Show, wherever you get your podcast. where we do pretty much stuff like this. Just shoot off the cuff about shit, stupid news stories and sports and music and whatever else we fucking feel like talking about. Just shooting the shit. And uh, we actually... Have our first episode out uh, with with the new contributor to the show, Cousin Mike. Cousin Mike. Cousin Mike. Mike. So go check that out wherever you get your podcast, The Bang and Dang Show. We'll be back next week for part two of The Infamous Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We got a lot of good episodes coming up. This is The Outlaws and Gunslingers with the Mouth of Michiganders. We are Bang and Dang. Mm-hmm.